Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the RZU Weekly Podcast, your weekly podcast about religious Zionism and modern orthodoxy, the Israeli scene, and Jews around the world. My name is Ruben Spolter. I'm here with Harab, Johnny Solomon, from, uh, from, I forget, Johnny. Evan Evan <laughs> Shuel, it's been a while. And Rabbi Malibrowski from Alon Shavut, that much I know. Okay. Um, they are very much professionals in their lines of work. Today we're going to talk about what, we, what, what has been uh, coined, a term has been coined, halachic publicists. And this, coined, this term, this term it was coined in a post by, in a Facebook post by Rev. Avraham Stav. And Rev. Avraham Stav posted in response to two um, declarations or publications that came out by two different rabbinic Torah personalities on the liberal side of, the, of orthodoxy here in Israel. The first was a, a document posted by Rabbi Lau, authored by Rabbi Lau, on the, on the topic of, 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 of same-sex couples. How can orthodox same-sex couples, is that correct? I mean, how, did, how, do, how should orthodox same-sex couples uh, comport themselves, purport themselves within the orthodox world? That was his, the first document. And of course, that generated a whole uh, uh, tumult, especially in here in Israel. I'm not aware of how much of a tumult it was in Chusarit or how much people were aware of it in Israel, uh, up to the point where uh, the, the son of Rav Shemuel Eliyahu got on a, on, a, on a televised video interview and declared that the Alon Shabbat, that the Shabbat sheet that published his, his, uh, his essay, should be removed from synagogues and burned. That's, uh, that was Rabbi Benila. The second was a podcast interview with Rabbanit Malka Piotrovsky. Did I say that right? Piotrovsky, I think. Okay. Rabbanit uh, Malka Piotrovsky. There, I got it right. Rabbanit Malka Piotrovsky raised the idea. Uh, we're just, we're not gonna, I don't want to talk about the topic itself, but what she raised, she raised the idea of should Halakha reevaluate the prohibition of Nigiya, a physical touch between husband and wife, in certain cases of need, when a woman is giving birth, when a woman has emotional trauma and stress of that nature. And, uh, and what, what was most, how should we say, most uh, distressing about her, about, about Rabbanit Piotrkovsky's um, uh, statement wasn't necessarily how she was saying it, but rather she, her advocacy in a sense. And the, and the way that she said it, there's a certain quote that I'll get to at the end. But Rav Sav wrote the following, he said, What's interesting about what they write, what, they, what these declarations are, they're not psikpiske halacha. Rabbi Lau went out of the way, out of his way, in order to say that I'm not, I'm not posek here, I'm not ruling here. I'm just giving advice for people who want my advice about this topic. Similarly, Rabbi Piotrkovsky said, "Ah, oh, I'm not really a posek I'm raising the issue. The Rabbanim really have to deal with it." Rav Stav came along and said he said a lot of interesting things in his post, which will link uh, to the Facebook link to this to this uh, to this episode. But he said, he said this is what he would call uh, Torah publicists or Torah publicity, where, where you have personalities that are promoting a certain halachic perspective and they're advocating on, on behalf of a certain halachic perspective. And uh, so Rabbi Piotrkovsky said, I think it should be X, Y, Z, and I'm going to advocate for it in, in, uh, in the media. And we've seen this in other areas as well. And so I thought this, we, we, we all felt this was a very important topic for us to discuss. Uh, Rav, 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 Rav Stav said the following. He said, in the truth, 
this genre is nothing new. He claims that it's from the times of the Gemara, that you have very many examples where the Amoraim said, listen, if I could, I would change things, but I can't. You know, the, the, the example that he really gives is in the Gemara where Shmuel, the Amora, said, if I could, I would get rid of Prisbal. But I can't, so what can you do? Well, what does that mean? If you could, you would get rid of Prisbal. He also says something really, really surprising. He said, Rav Yudah Brandris uh, once told Rav Yuval Sherlow that why don't you find this kind of, of advocacy in the Mishnah? He said, because in the Mishnah, they had no problem. They would just change the halacha. But we live in a time and a situation where we don't change. Everything is stuck. So you're stuck, so you are, you're stuck between a range, and therefore all you have left is your sense of advocacy, to advocate for your position, and hopefully the rabbis, the people, will adopt your position. So first of all, I'm going to start with Rav Jani, and ask Rav Jani, what do you think of Rav Stav, Rav Avraham Stav's analysis? This post really got me, got me thinking a lot. But the first question I'm going to ask you is, I'm going to ask you two questions. What do you think of his analysis? Are these phenomenon of of Rabbeinu Lau writing his, writing his essay, and Rabbeinu Malka Piotrkovsky going on a podcast talking about these things, are these uh, halachic publicity, halachic advocacy, you would call it? That's number one. And number two, how do you feel about it? Has it always happened? Is it something new? Is it something good, bad, or indifferent? Take it away, have Johnny Solomon. Okay, so just to fill in a couple of gaps about of Avam Stav's article, I'm happy to respond to both those points independent of, of the thing I just want to make note of. He did speak about the religious Zionist camp. He spoke about a certain sense of weakness from within the camp, and that's why these uh, statements or these publications were made with this form of disclaimer. For him, this wasn't just merely about halachic advocacy, but it was also a state of affairs of uh, innovative halachic statements in a religious Zionist world where there is a lack of strength necessarily beyond that world. He made that point. It doesn't particularly interest me, although, of course, it is related to our podcast. But going back to your two questions, I think he's read uh, the situation partially right but partially wrong. I just want to speak for a few minutes about why that's the case. He gave a couple of examples of what he called halachic advocacy, but what he didn't mention, which I didn't quite understand, is there are numerous chuvot in response to literature where the author will say, which basically means, I want to float the halachic idea amongst my rabbinic peers. I want to present a thesis. I'm not suggesting you should go with this idea or not. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And oftentimes a posek will say, this is what I think. And if my rabbinic colleagues will agree with me, then perhaps we wish to uh, put this into practice. And if not, maybe I'm wrong. So there is tradition, significant tradition of great halachic scholars of penning halachic ideas and giving that kind of disclaimer. Which doesn't mean, if you to translate it, this is halacha and don't do it, means this is a theoretical halachic proposition and I'd, I'm interested in hearing what other people have to say. Now, were Rav Benilau and Rabbanet Putakovsky to be doing that, I'd say that's, there's nothing different from what they're doing to other people, immaterial of how innovative uh, their ideas may well be, because it's okay to suggest ideas. It's okay to suggest ideas out to the box, and it's right to try and see if there's some kind of consensus of what other people think. Uh, and Shomazon Arbach did this, Rabbi Yosef did this. You know, so the, the, it's not like a fringe thing to do necessarily. 
I do want to separate between Rav Benny Lau and Rav Potokovsky because Rav Benny Lau, he made it clear, I'm actually not discussing halach, I'm talking about the field of Eitzah, right, which is guidance. And Eitzah and Psikah are different worlds. So though, Benil, so though Rav Avram Stav conflates the two, um, Rav Benny Lau isn't trying to write a psak. He's giving advice. He's saying, I'm not trying to forbid... Although in giving Eitzah, there is a certain level of condoning. He, you know, you, you can't avoid the, that in some way. The, the, I mean, we could discuss a great length. Joel Walowski has got a great essay that I read many years ago and have referred back to many times of the distinction between halachic guidance and psikat halacha. I, I think we should separate between Eitzah and psikah. Eitzah allows for greater flexibility than psikah. Um, and great people offer Eitzah sometimes when they say, I can't pass them and I can't advise, and this is what I suggest. By the way, well, just to be fair, yeah, but the question is, Malka he published it. said the he same did, thing. And Malka Pichotowski also said, I'm not paskening halacha, I am raising an issue. I didn't hear... Right, right, right. I read, so a, I read uh, you know, something, a, a, a summary of what she said, so I'm saying it with that caveat, but my impression is that she was very careful to say, I'm not talking in the realm of halacha, I am raising... A problem. She kind of sociologically diagnosed it, and then she said, ah, you know, she kind of, that's my impression, you know. A hundred percent. I could be in this place, that. and she was very careful about that. Yeah. So, Mari, uh, I, I, I totally note that, but I do think is, Benny Lau was already quite clear that I'm not trying to innovate things. I'm not even trying to get in, in terms of what people can do that they can't. I just want to talk about advice, whether that's uh, whether he's being true to himself, that's a whole different question. But let's go to Robinette Matsputikovsky because though she, you're right, she's raising a question, she's still raising a theoretical halachic uh, change this and she's postulating out loud whether this is right or wrong. Yes, but she also, I mean, she is clearly, she's raising it, but it's obvious that she, what she thinks should happen. And it's obvious that, you know, like, I'm, I'm just saying they should really evaluate. Come on. She is, right. she's so, clearly so, advocating a certain halachic position. Clearly. So does Rabbi Vadya when he postulates halacha No, Rabbi Vadya is a posseg. Rabbi Vadya is a posseg. Right. So, so that's the issue. When a person writes or, or presents and, and, a And I want to add one more point, Johnny. When Rabbi, if, if you ask me for Eitzah, so I, you, I ask you something, you give me the Eitzah, and I get the Eitzah. That's one thing. It's quite another when I ask for an Eitzah, and you say, I'm not, I'm not only giving you the Eitzah, I'm going to publish it on the Ne'emane Torah website. And I'm going to that, put it in... A, again, you know, that's, I'm getting to this point, okay? So, although I've, I've wished to somehow distinguish a little bit between Robin and Malta Petakovsky in terms yeah. of one being leaning a little bit more to Eitzah and one leaning a little bit more to Psikah la Halakha notwithstanding the fact that neither are formal halachic treaties. The issue is the forum. You see, when a Posek, no matter what the topic, write to Tshuva, Right? In formal literature, they're inviting a conversation and making clear ahead of time, I want to be part of a conversation with peers. and I want to talk about the argumentation and the reason that I presented. I may be right, I may be wrong. And by the way, there are plenty of times when Sirius Poskim uh, put out and in the end said, you know, actually, I've come to the realization that we shouldn't do this. Right? And sometimes the other way around. The issue here is, as you say, one is a podcast. And one is a brochure. I'm going to focus a little bit more on the podcast because, as I say, I think she's being a little bit more concrete about certain particular steps. And she's not saying this is the Now, right, halachic scholars, discourse with me what you want. 
it's only presented to the populace. Now, you, ultimately, you could argue that, well, there's, what's the difference between that and a book? And I'd say the difference is there is no in-between step, right? You're not asking for consensus. You're not seeking consensus. In all cases, somebody who has a halakhic postulate is backing the ideas they've been thinking about. That's okay. The question is, how responsible are you being in terms of sharing them? So in the classic halakhic literature, I'd say it's responsible, like an academic paper, to say, this is what I think, what do you think? And there's a certain, shall we say, safety net, because everybody understands that forum. Here, when you talk out loud quite concretely about particular practice, which runs counter to what is, shall we say, normative halakhic practice, even with a disclaimer, there seems to be a lack of, and I want to say seems to be because I can't speak to somebody, I can only say from an observer, there seems to be a lack of seriousness in terms of wishing to have a scholarly conversation prior to wishing to convince, uh, in, encourage, or, or promote a certain behavior to the populace who aren't basically necessarily sufficiently knowledgeable to distinguish between halakhic theory, which is good on paper and lousy on practice, and the halachic theory, which is good on paper and great in practice. Molly, what do you think? Is it advocacy? Is it the wrong forum? How so do you it's interesting. See this? Well, Johnny got me thinking. First of all, I want to say that I have empathy for both issues. I know we're not going to talk about the issues, but the issues are real. But when Johnny started talking about a distinction between the two, I think he's right. I think there is some distinction. Rebeni Lowen, again, full disclosure, I did not have the opportunity. I wanted to, I did not have the opportunity to read his whole piece. My impression is, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, is that he wrote a position paper about practically what we should do with the LGBT community, um, given the reality that they exist, right? And he, I, I don't think he was talking about halacha, right? I think he was talking about how to integrate them into the community. Is that correct? I think it was more how they could function, with the ways fine, for them fine, to function. Fine, give me, fine, fine. He couched it as, here's some advice to you for how to function within our community. But my impression, am I, I mean, well, I don't, I don't, okay, so here's an interesting question. No, no, speak about your impression. What was your does impression? That, I don't know, because I didn't read it. I have to read it to see, like, does it skirt halachic issues? Is it... Is it more public policy issues? And I'm sure that that will diff people. Will I read it. I don't remember Balpeh, but my impression was also it was public policy. He was not giving halachic okay, at all. So, was, there, was, saw, he right. didn't. He didn't really ad address halacha at all. The the bruaha was about the fact that he acknowledged that there are right. So I'm saying okay. So that so that I think is a kind of a different. I think Johnny's really right to distinguish between that as like a rough coming up and bravely saying there's a gap between our, our you know. Uh, we, basically, we have halachic answers to, to things, and we and we have halachic positions on a certain issue, and we, then we don't we don't have halachic language to deal with the reality. And a lot of rabbis are, are being confronted with this, and they don't quite know what to do. And so Benny Law said, "I'm going to step in and give you some type of a position paper on helping helping both the community and people can't see Ruby's face; he's making faces. Um, both the community and and the leadership and how to deal with that. I do think that's different than throwing out on a podcast a problem and kind of suggesting the possibilities of halachic change um, and kind of leaving that, kind of letting that sit there in the, in the forum of a podcast. I do think Johnny's right that there's a distinction there. You know, I have to say, about the reason I'm smiling, if you don't mind, yeah. it reminds me I'm doing Mishnah Yomi, uh, join the mission project, mission.co. Mission Anywho, um, um, so there's the Mishnah and Kalim, Perak Yudzayan, Mishnah Tetzayan, gives a whole list of different implements that people would use to cheat, like uh, in business. 
And one and like, but they were on the one hand had a bait kibul. They had a they had they, they could hold things, so they were literally mekabel tuma. But people use them to cheat. So, for example, on the scale that they had, they would hollow out the scale and uh, and and add weights to it. So basically, when you put your stuff on the scale, it would just it would seem heavier. And so they asked Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai, like, well, is it mekabel tuma or not? Is it tummy or not? In the end, Rabbi Yochanan on all these, every time they asked him a psak, he would say, like, they would ask him just for modern day analysis, like. Uh, if I quirked my bat, can, is it Makabal Tumar or not? Rabbi Yochanan would say, Oili im Omar, Oili im lo Omar. This is what the Mishnah says. He says, if I tell you what the halacha is, and you're going to say, oh, he's, he's, he's uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, 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 he's acknowledging, he's a lot, he knows that we're violating, we're cheating, and he's okay with that. And if I don't tell you, you're going to think I'm like, totally, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what's going on in the world. Like, so, like, you see, like, right. This is something that rabbis were struggling with from the time of the Mishnah. Like, okay, so people I want to not, say keeping, about that. not keeping halacha. Whatever you do, right? That's it. Right. So I just yeah. want to say something about that because yeah, this I was is like, like, major... you made me think of a Mishnah. I was like, it was like, wow. Exactly. Right. Right. It's How exactly do you deal what it said that Mishnah. Yeah, right. So the truth yeah. is, so both, both Rav Stav, Rav Avram Stav, in this post and a, and a, and a post by Rav Eli. Wait, wait. So let's well, clarify. So we're, we're, we're saying Rav Stav might be correct, but not about Rav Benigalau. That's not publicity. That's, you know, a position. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying I think Johnny made an interesting distinction there. And, and again, I agree. I actually agree. I agree. About you know, is there a place to to, to publicize your? Th- that's the question you want to ask, right? Is there a place for halachic advocacy? So, the, what I wanted to say was that um, both Rav Stav and Rav Eli Ofran what, both said these two cases. But what it brings home to them is the gap between um, halachic reality, right? People who live in a halachic world, and for them it's very black and white. This is asur and this is mutar, and the experience that people are actually living. Right again, either in the LGBT community or women who are actually grappling with real difficulties or real challenges in, in how they experience Hilfos Nida. Wait, 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 one second. Let's go back. You, you're raising the point, so you, I want to bring up this quote because I want you to comment on it. Because in her comment that she's quoted in the article right. that I'm looking at, the Keeper article, I have to read you the quote because, and I'll read it and translate it because I want you to comment because this is really what you're talking about. Right. Rabbanit Piotrkovsky said the following It can't be that we fulfill the halakha of the 12th century when our children are living in the 21st century. We have to deal with the reality, with the mitzi'ut. Right. And I want, I want you to comment on that before I go crazy, before my head. Right, okay, fine. So again, so I, I agree with you. I think both Rav Staff and... I didn't say, I didn't say anything yet. <laughs> I'm right. going to say And Malka Petrakovsky and... 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 That's it, I guess. And Bilai Ofran. And Bilai Ofran, right all seems to say, see, see the giant gap between halacha and reality. Um, that's one of the major problems in today's world, right? And Rabbi Eli said, like, you people, you have people who are living in halacha and are like, what's the question? There's obviously us there in Motor. You have people who are living in the world of reality and they're like, what's the question? Halacha has nothing to do with how I live my life. And like, he was like, this is like this tragic gap. And Rav Stav was like, there's this tragic gap because, because rabbinic authorities have no ability to address these issues anymore, right? We're, we're so fossilized in our halacha that we can't address real-life issues. So, I, first of all, I, I'm not sure I agree with, with that approach. I'm not sure I agree. That's why what you just said about, like, that, like, I'm living in the 20th century and the halacha is, is passing by the 12th century. I think that, like, it's always been true that halacha is a slow, creaky system, right, that deals with social change, but it's built in a way... That's that's always it's always going to be slower, I'd say, than like the um, the social movements of its time, right? 
And I'm not necessarily sure that that's bad, right? Um, so because I, I think that if it, we've seen that when, when we don't do it that way, right? When, when, when we let the social movements lead, halacha ends up kind of dismantling, right? Yeah, let's, leave the, let's leave the slippery slope aside. No, no but I think that that's, no, to no, me... The slippery slope is important, but what about the fund... I, I mean, before you get to the slippery slope, yeah. what about the fundamental statement? Does, do you agree that the halacha is the 12th century halacha and we've got to just adjust it to the 21st listen, century? I, no, I, that's a, that statement is too extreme. But do I... I listen, last night I watched this... The talk, talk about the LGBT community. I just watched this movie by Rav Vardy called Chatuna Hafucha. They, they played it for the Vadat Mugan in the Yishuv. Um, it was actually an excellent, excellent movie. Just and for all of you, I'm rolling my eyes. Like, you should not roll your eyes. You should see the movie, Ruby. It's a documentary. No, I, I, I told excellent. you. I have a policy of not watching agenda-driven movies. I don't. It's not agenda-driven. Okay, so... Everything the, is agenda-driven. This goes back to your point. This goes back to your point, Ruby, which is... That's a, that is halakhic advocacy. Wait a second. That second. movie wait, is okay, exactly so, wait, 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 wait. No, it's not. It's not halakhic advocacy. What it's saying, and, and here I do think that Rav uh, is it correct that there are certain circumstances in the world where there is actually a gap between what we can do as halachis and what the real life experience of people is, and that's a problem. For, second, that's a problem for rabbis. Now, the fact that that's a problem for rabbis, I don't think the conclusion is therefore. Therefore, we have to be faster with halacha. I think rabbis need to kind of be able to live in that space and say, I need to figure out how to be in this space, like like maybe like Rabbi Lau did, like. Where can I give? Where can't I give? I'm sure Johnny has a lot to say about how you live in that space when, like, you know, reality and the halachic kalim you have don't seem to converge, right? So you can be a revavadja and you could just be matirovi aguno because you're a revavadja, right? And, and, and you have that, those, like, halachic shoulders. Or you could, you know, go to the opposite extreme. And, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I agree with you. Or you could be the majority of... He said, sorry, you know what I'm, I'm not going to be my They're right, that's what I'm saying. But that's what that makes a great leader. But I'm saying rabbis have to find the space between how, how I don't want to use the word radical, but let's say how, um, but I don't know what, what word you would put in there, right? How activist, right? You've been talking a lot about like, you know, parallels to, this, to the Constitution and the Supreme Court. How activist they're going to be with halacha, right? Um, when to be activist, how, how conservative, small c, to be with the halacha, right? When you're going to be uh, an originalist. And what do you do when you're stuck and your reading is X and you're, I'm not going to get into that discussion, but what I'm saying is it's not new to have to live in that space. And I think that the best solution is to like live in that space authentically the way halachic Judaism has always lived in that space, which is to like understand the problems, um, but not rush to let the modern-day ethos lead, and yet at the same time not close your eyes to the realities and the pain and the problems around you and see and, and kind of see it, as, as Rilkenstein quoted, I forgot who this is, see it steadily and see it whole. Maybe, Johnny, you're English. It's one of the English poets. Um, Unfortunately, I, I'll Google that. that. I went somewhere uh, else. Like, no, but one second. See life steadily and see it whole, which means you don't get hysterical that, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we're so backwards. But you also say, like, I have to see reality and I have to see people's pain. And that's true in both Rabini Lau's issue and Malta Petrukovsky's issue. There are real issues here. Um, and how how am I going to to find a place to live holding both of these tensions? And I don't like positions that are on either 
extreme of that. Now, when you talk about halachic advocacy, there too, right? So then you don't you want to get into the slippery slope. But but too, like I don't think that there's no place for people to raise. Okay, you want me to not say this? No, we want. I want to. I want to come back to halachic advocacy. But I want. Bye. I want to comment. I, I, I first of all, I want to agree with both of you that we have to distinguish between. I don't think that that Avram Stav's uh, connection between the two are the same. I definitely agree with the, the distinction between what Benny Lau did. Uh, you know, dealing with the reality and saying, okay, within that reality, he didn't, he said, I'm not giving, there's not a halachic sock, but here's how I see living in the world today with trying to do the best you can. And Rabbi Manka, who's clearly trying to advocate to make a change, who is, and her, her statement that halacha was written for the 12th century, it's not like, she's not talking about, you know, like, uh, you know, ox carts and things of that nature. She's talking about the intimacy and the relationship right. and the needs of a husband and a wife. So can I say something and about that? Wait, wait, wait a second, one second. And, yeah. the, and, the, and that example specifically, I believe, is it makes her, her statement so egregious. What, because it implies that Chazal did not understand human nature, did not yeah. understand women's needs, did not understand the power of physical touch. And now in our enlightened state, we have now realized all of these important things and now we take them more into account. Okay, so I'm just going to finish. I'm almost done. Fine. Okay. Sorry. And, and that kind of statement, like, first of all, just the bombastic statement of, oh, you know, we don't live in the 12th century anymore. That really, I think it's unfortunate for her that she said that because it makes her, in my mind, a not serious halachic person. It just does, it makes it, it, it puts her when it comes to halachic advocacy because what that means is we're not playing with the same set of values. And therefore, I'm not going to, I, I, I immediately, my mind discount her perspective because what she thinks is the halacha that I hold dear is just not relevant to her to her life. So therefore, we're not even talking about the same thing. That's number one. And it reminds me of another very, very famous uh, female liberal Orthodox leader who said almost the same thing and uh, and was discounted in exactly the same way. So future female leaders, if you're if you're listening to this, be very careful what you say. Male, female, be careful what you say because you 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 know you you uh, you brand yourself in the eyes of other people who care very much about. Halakha. And the second thing is, you know, like, it's one thing to say, if you want to say that about technology, or you want to say that about serious changes in society, but when you go to the core and the root of, of things that human nature, that I, I really trust Chazal knew extremely, extremely well, and understood it very well, and the halachot of Nigia are extremely, extremely, extremely uh, strict, I think because Chazal Davka did know what human nature was, and understood how how the touch between husband and wife can lead to intimacy, even in the most difficult of stresses. And Rabbanim in private also understood that there were needs and in specific situations, a woman could care for the medical needs of her husband or, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But that's not what she said. She said, we need statements. We need, we need, we need a, a wholesale change. We need to realize that there are different things, that there are two kinds of touch. Chazal knew what touch was. They understood what it was. They didn't want to create those distinctions for very clear reasons. And that, that statement... To me, it, it, be, it speaks to a lack of faith in their understanding of human nature and a lack of faith in Chazal per se. And that, I think, is extremely problematic and makes me completely discount her arguments when she comes to say, oh, I accept what I said halachically. Mali, okay. you have no uh, Yes, I just want to say that I think you're... Um... Martha Petrakovsky is, is pretty, an impre pretty impressive... Um, teacher, thinker, leader, and, and I'd say even halachic figure. So I wouldn't discount her as, you know, um, extremely as you did. Um, sorry, I know, from, from what I know of her. Um, you know, again, I don't, don't know her personally or anything like that, but my impression is. I agree with you, though. I think that 
um, her phrasing in many ways was, un was unfortunate. I think that she said something very true, um, and, and, and here it's actually interesting, meaning I, I think you're right. I think I said, there are exceptions. There are always wait, 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 Shayla. Wait, 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 there's always wait, wait, a, wait, no, there's, wait, there's, no, there's not wait, exceptions and blanket one policy. Second, one second. What, what I want to say is I think that she's right that, and again, sorry to do this because, you know, we, I always say that I just don't want to go back to the woman thing. But I think, <laughs> I wonder if, right, I don't agree with her phrasing. I don't think she was right in saying rabbis didn't get it. I don't think she was right in saying marriages were different back then. I think that's complete nonsense that, that like, the, 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 the relationship between husband and wife, now we have different needs because we expect different things from our spouses. We expect not just, you know, um, you know, a partnership of service, but we expect emotional connection. Give me a break. Anybody who reads, like, they're like they're, they're, people sell us things about how things were in the olden days. Just read old novels, and you'll see that they had just as much of an awareness of um, the nature of of of, of the, what the marriage bond was and partnership and love as 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 do we. It's not like we invented this idea of, of, of like, romance and intimacy. That is just, the tra that actually bugs me. Um, so that's unfortunate, right, that she, that she kind no, of... No. It's not. Uh, it's wait, not unfortunate. Wait, 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 it was wait, wait, intentional. No. It was right. Intentional. Okay. Fine. Whatever. That that could be a different. I don't know. I'd have to ask her whether it was intentional, right? But and again, one of the things that also really bugged me was she said like there are there are two different types of touch or three. One is like help. One is mm. and, and one is intimacy. And now one is help. One was affection. What? One is intimate touch. Right. Help, affection, and intimate touch. But but she's she's missing a category, and that's why Ruby's right, which is that. And this was something with that that Ravardi said last night, which I thought was brilliant. He said, affection between husband and wife is not friendship. That's not the same thing. It's not like if I lived with my best friend who was, you know, a, a woman. Friendship, right, that, that hug is the same as when a husband and a wife hug, right? The, the affection between a husband and a wife is different than the affection between, between, between same, you know, like a friend. So she's wrong, actually. There isn't just help, uh, friendship, and intimate touch. There's help. There's intimate touch. And then when it comes to your spouse, that touch isn't just the touch of friendship. That touch has within it something um, that's charged with the, the, the unique male-female or the unique marriage bond, I would say, right? There's something romantic there. It's beyond just a friendship. And she, she missed that. She, I, I think that was wrong. I think her need to was incorrect. Now, having said all this, which is why I think it's unfortunate her phraseology, there is something in me that's very... Um, empathetic to the message that she gave, and I think many women experience this, which is that, and I do wonder, and here I'm going to go out on a limb, here, go, here come my feminist, you know, here comes my, my feminist voice, it is possible, Ruby, that because halacha was written by men, they are missing certain things that are part of the woman, the female experience, which is that it could be that women crave, for, that for men, and again, this might be sociological, it might not be gender, you know, essential, that people can, you know, analyze as long as much as they want, but for men, intimate touch right that maybe it, the, the the line between that affection and 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 sexual um you know touch is a very quick line and for women they can really make a distinction between that romantic affection piece and the sexual piece and they crave it much more than men or i don't know if much more than men but they crave it desperately and it's very very hard for them when they don't have it and it's in the times that she said right beyond you know just the two the, the you know uh, you're discounting it's very very hard for men to, and many many other times it's I very know, very hard is, I, I know which is why i'm <laughs> saying so so i'm not 
disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not, I, I agree with you. And I think Chazal were very sensitive to men and to women, by the way. I agree with you. They were sensitive to women's needs. I'm not saying, oh, it's all a male voice and they have no sensitivity to women's voices. I don't think that that's true. But I do think that women really do struggle in this area. And I do think that it's positive and healthy that a woman is actually voicing this because many, many, many women feel this. It's probably one of the things I hear most, which is the hardest time for women is after birth when they're not allowed to have physical contact with their husbands. It's terrible. It's devastating for many women. And you should know, I've gotten feedback from women who really struggle during, um, you know, um, their time of Nida and Shiva Nikiyam with the fact that they can't just have affectionate touch, which they are perfectly comfortable not leading to intimate touch. That's a real issue. Have they, have they asked their husbands? Okay, that's a great question. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I know from the women how the women experience it. But what I'm saying is she's voicing, she's, she's voicing um, a voice that needs to be heard. The same way I would say that the voice... That's not what she said. She's not said it's difficult I'm saying she and unfortunately, painful. Fra- oh, poor Johnny, we have to let him speak because then we're going to have to go. Yeah. John, John, um, but, let's, okay, let's stop, yeah, Johnny. What, what I'm saying is she had, a, she had a positive message. I agree with you that she, her... her her, her couching was unfortunate. Because I it was not a positive message. It was an important message. The message that she had message. to say was important for her to say, but her, her message was entirely negative okay. about her, Kazal. Her, her medium was unfortunate. Her, 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 you know, her packaging. Yeah, go ahead, Johnny. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I feel like we never let go. <laughs> He's got a, he can see, uh, he does have a, Listen, you, you've, you've touched on a couple of things, and we, we also need to individuate between the two. Number one is, how Rabbanit Malka spoke and, and what she particularly said vis-a-vis a certain emunat uh, chachamim. That's, that's one category. The second thing that Mali is saying is, yeah, but the actual conversation is a valid conversation, and those feelings are valid feelings, which is absolutely the case. But really what Avram Stav was getting at was, I mean, I'm not here to speak for him, but Neither that nor that. Yeah, I think it's absolutely legitimate to raise these questions, to understand where people struggle, to see the strain, and people should be seeking guidance, understanding, and sometimes psika and sometimes etza, which differs from psika for personal situational uh, personal situations. Nevertheless, the question really is about forum, right? And that's really what he's saying, is when you're dealing with a sophisticated issue, which it is, when you're dealing with people's feelings and its intersection with important and severe laws, which it is, to what extent is talking with a certain level of certainty and confidence without necessarily asking uh, uh, more broadly how this is understood and what should be both uh, halacha as lived, halacha as ruled and halacha as policy, uh, from other people who also get these questions, meaning she's not the only person whom people turn to and ask these questions. That's part and parcel of the issue. And and uh, uh, Rabbi Mali was right that Rabbi Malka is a scholar, but nevertheless she's also a maverick. And you know I mentioned before the notion of la halacha la maaseh, and there's a great article I read it years ago, and I've quoted it many times by Rabbi Aviad Hollander. Con- contrasting with Shlomazon Orbach, who wrote a psak la halacha and Rav Goren, who initially wrote a psak la halacha What was the difference between the two? He said it's a difference of caring about the voices of other halachic scholars in your generation. Rav Shlomazon Orbach wants to go out the box for something I'm not going to get into, but something pretty bold and pretty innovative. He floated the idea, he wrote the idea. Uh, his peers said, we don't quite think that that's watertight. He said, okay. I got it wrong, or it's not for now, or for whatever reason, even if it's good in theory, it's not appropriate in practice. 
Rav Gorin didn't ask other people. He, had, he was a maverick. He had ideas. He basically said, I'm doing them. And that's what aggrieved and frustrated many people. And it did harm to a whole variety of systems, um, even till this day. And I, I'm not trying to equate the two, but I see a similar kind of spirit, not in terms of the topic. Again, I totally agree, 150%, right? That the question needs to be asked. And I also totally agree. And as I'm somebody who people do turn to to help in terms of certain questions that people come. And sometimes guidance needs to be given, which is different to, shall we say, codified halacha, which is much more representative of tshuvot than necessarily the codes, much more sub, uh, you know, subjective and much more situational. I, that's, that's where I live. That's the world of halacha in which I, uh, I hope I practice in one respect or another. But nevertheless, she was, as a maverick, positing an idea with a certain level of confidence uh, in a public uh, forum. And then it's out there. And the question really is, have you been clear enough about what the implications are? Have you been clear enough about what the particulars are? You know, do your listeners understand the nuance which should be inherent in your words and are inherent in your essays? But the problem is you're speaking with certainty as if you're writing an article, but you're not giving a wider uh, understanding of what's at play here. And so I think that's what Aram Stav was honing on in. It wasn't, it wasn't the question... And wasn't necessarily how she thinks of other rabbis. I do uh, don't. I, sorry, I, I don't agree with what he, she said, and I don't agree quite strongly in terms of her remarks about how we look at halacha. I'm someone who strongly believes in innovation. I strongly believe that that's a role. Yeah, of that's a statement from Johnny. Which, I don't agree quite strongly. That's a, that's a, well, that's, that's as extreme well, as we're going to get from you. Why? Because <laughs> because the, as Rabbi Sachs beautifully says, the ultimate halachic question is to bridge a gap between reishit as Torah and reishit between Am Yisrael. I mean, the needs of people and the demands of Torah. That's what every responsible pasuk does every day. That's basically their task. So. A remark such as hers is saying is nobody seems to have been kind of uh, uh, doing their job for the last 800 years, which is, I think, both offensive and just ridiculous. Um, and I'm not disagreeing, though, that there probably needs to be further analysis and further discourse about this particular issue. But it was about the forum. Johnny, I, I want to exactly I, throwing out I, something and a certain level of. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, it's, it's a profound caring because people have been asking her questions, but a certain measure of irresponsibility in how you're dealing with such delicate halakha without necessarily going through, shall we say, due halakhic process. I want to come back to the idea of halakhic advocacy in general. And I mentioned to you um, uh, in a private conversation, way back when, there, I mean, there, there were the issue of brain death in Chutz Arts came up. In Israel, the psaq was issued in one way, that brain death is death, and the organ donation was permitted. But in general, Rav Moshe Dabitan, there was very, very, um, um, he was very, very vociferous about the fact that Rav Moshe Feinstein Paskin, that brain death is not death. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I get, I'm getting this right. And, uh, and, and, uh, and a lot of people sort of accepted his position, which would make organ donation problematic. And along came an organization called the Halachic Organ Donor Society, HODS, and took a specific position and then advocated that position, and then got people to sign up, and they would have ads in the paper, and this one is in favor, and that one is an organ donor. And I, I have to say, like I, I always felt uncomfortable with the whole, with, with, with the whole methodology of Hodes, because it was almost like, instead of arguing it in the sphere of halacha, in the Beit Midrash, and coming to it and saying, okay, you should ask your rabbi what you should do, it's like, we're going to advocate for this position in this 
in, in this like, this unbelievably significant uh, uh, halachic issue. And because we advocate, we advocate we're going to push the needle in a certain direction until it becomes a fait accompli among whoever. And, and I always feel that that's not, that's not appropriate. And I guess that's my problem with this idea as well. You want to advocate? That's great. Write an article. Write a, write a position paper. Talk to the rabbanim. Argue your point. You know, discuss it in the confines of the Beit Midrash. And that's why I sort of disagree with Rav, Rav Avram Stav's uh, Facebook post. Because all the things he's talking about, Shmuel said, you know, like, where would Shmuel say it? Did he get up and say it in the in the public square? Or did he say it when he was giving a shear that was recorded to Gemara? The Gemara wasn't, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, uh, I, I don't know what the answer is, but my, my, my sense is halachic debate, halachic advocacy, it belongs in the Beit Midrash. That's where it's supposed to be. Rabbis are supposed to argue with one another. They're supposed to advocate their case. But when you take it to the masses and you're writing a blog post about it and you're podcasting about it and saying, well, huh, man, you know, we'd like the halacha to be this way, but, you know, it, it, then it, it becomes nothing more than a, a political fight. It becomes, you know, we, we end up with, with, with uh, the corona policy in the government of Israel where whoever gets loudest, they get the policy. And then, of, of course, what can you do? What do you think? I disagree with comparing it with the Halachic Organ Donor Society. I know the organization quite well and the founder quite well and their website quite well. And though undoubtedly it's about advocacy, it's about advocacy to save lives. Uh, and there is a transparency about those who are supportive of that position. There's also transparency about those who are not supportive of that, this position. And it, it, the point is... And, yes, and but the ads are, look at all these great rabbis that are donors, that have decided to be organ donors. A person, okay, so the lay that, person that, is that, simply, and, and, the, and, and it's in the OU magazine, the lay person is simply not in a position. That it, may be it, the it's case. exactly the like Molly's movie. Say, see, no, but we all these people are playing on my emotions. You can save somebody's life. Yeah, but uh, according know, to Rabbi Feinstein, you could be killing that person too. You know, you we don't suicide. have a Sanhedrin, and the problem is when, by not having a Sanhedrin, there are various different issues in which there's no hachra'ah, meaning you could argue 30 people say this, 30 say, people say that. By the way, it should never be a question of numbers. That's not quite how Jewish law works, apart from in a formal sitting sense, such as the Sanhedrin. And because we don't have that, how do we solve public policy issues with a significant halachic underpinning? So I agree it shouldn't be stum, an average person who has no aware of the issue saying, I like this rather than that, right? A simply a mere preference, right? And we know where that can go. Here, at least in terms of that organization, it's saying these serious authorities advocate for this, not the organization, these poskim, these people who deal with this, who are experts, who, who write Shubot, who are revered, right? These yeah, but it doesn't say, it doesn't say this is an important halachic issue, ask your rabbi. It didn't say that. If it had said that, and if your rabbi says it's I, I, okay, I we encourage you to do X, Y, Z. It doesn't say I, that. I don't, firstly, I don't I think that's it. the case, and I don't think necessarily... Firstly, most rabbis, uh, local rabbis are familiar with all the literature on the topic. And that's it, it's when you have these kind of global things which require certain expertise. But putting aside Halach Organ Donor Society, because I disagree with the quite comparison, although I take your point there, which is even when dealing with big issues, and even if uh, I'm right, which I believe I am, that there are uh, serious voices there, very transparent, very coherent, nevertheless, you're saying, well, you need to balance it with that sense of the local or that familiar or the situational. And that's true. And, and the wider issue here is really about forums, again, and platforms where the local guidance either doesn't have the expertise or the person doesn't feel the need to go to that. Now that we have this, you know, World Wide Web where I can turn to people all over the globe. And when I hear an opinion, 
and I like it, I may wish to go with Molly, it. Molly, what do you think? We're going to wrap up, but I would love okay. to, what's your position? How do you feel about this idea? Leave, leave hoods aside. Right, the, so idea of the idea of halakhic advocacy in right. general. Okay, I, I think there's room for, for rabbis to be involved in social issues and social movements. That's what we were talking about for the past two weeks, right? Do we want our rabbis to just be like, you know, um, living books that spit out computer answers to halakhic questions, or do we want them to actually be involved in... Um, in, in in the spirit of of what's happening um, and 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 the issues that people are really facing in their day to day lives, so I I wouldn't I wouldn't I would distinguish between that right rabbis taking a taking a position on a social issue and speaking out on a social issue and being involved in social issues and 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 being brave enough to take a stand on certain social issues and what you're calling um, halachic advocacy, which I think is a different animal right that that feels more like you're trying to win people to your cause by using certain platforms right especially the platforms on social media because on social media right um it's the death of expertise everybody's on the same level everybody's an expert you know there's this latest thing like well the argument from authority that's a ridiculous argument you shouldn't believe somebody just because they have a phd in front of their name i'm like yes you should right like you should believe the guy with the doctorate on science better than the person who like looked up an article about how vaccines cause autism not that i'm getting on a, I, 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 this I, idea that like just those are the the the, the, the break and now you're going to tell me masks work but i but we digress Go ahead. yes masks do it <laughs> um the, the 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 breakdown of the idea that there actually is authority there is knowledge and that like it's a marketplace of ideas and everybody with a keyboard is, you know, has a right to weigh in with their own opinion, and that's how we're going to make decisions, is, I think, corroding society. And that, I think, is unhealthy. And if that's what, if that kind of halakhic advocacy, I don't appreciate. So that's that, that's where I would. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much. And we're going to wrap it up here. Um, I want to thank Rabbi Johnny Salman uh, from Evan Shmuel. He happens to live in Evan Shmuel, now I remember. <laughs> Rabbi Nima um and our listeners as well. We always appreciate your comments. Uh, leave us a Leave us a five-star rating on, uh, on the iTunes Apple Music if you happen to, to, to uh, click over to there. And uh, other people might learn about our awesome podcast. Or you could just tell them, wow, I was listening to this really interesting podcast. That would help us as well. Spread the word and get more people to enjoy the, uh, the RZ Weekly, Basking the RZ Weekly Audio Glow. I want to thank my son Patachia Spolter for his music and uh, wish everyone a wonderful